that the only thing you care about is diving. Not this corporate or that corporate or that agency or this billion dollar lawyer filled agency. You don't care about those guys. As a matter of fact, you are the enemy. Of you them. are you are the enemy of them. And I am. And I, and, I know. And you know who's who's my ally? The, the diver, the actual God Joe diver. diver. Yeah. So That's I would right. hope that they'd say, yeah, you need some balance here because if you just let money rule this God industry like it has been, you see what we get. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Why don't we just make it all meat? We don't need any filler. We're not fucking McDonald's with the god cheap ass god burger. We are the Dive Podcast, the Great Dive Podcast. Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast. We are here once again with the next installment of the Dan Annual Report. The Goddamn Annual Report, right? The Goddamn Annual Report that we've been talking about. So uh, last week. We um, got talking about the 2016 report that went over the 10 most wanted improvements. The 15. Improvements. These 10 most wanted improvements. Improvements in scuba diving. And uh, now we're going to get into, um, quite fittingly, you know, the, uh, the winter 2018 Alert Diver magazine just showed up. It's, it's almost like they're like in tune with... The Great Dive Podcast. Well, I mean, of course they are. It's, it's like we kind of set the pace for this entire industry and community nowadays. Somebody has to. Like, we start talking about wanting to do something, bam. So, in the new uh, Alert Diver, Bill Zeffel, Zeffel? Z-I-E-F-L-E. Is that Spell it. Z-I-E-F-L-E. Z-I-E-F-L-E. I'd say Zeffel. Zeffel, that's what I said, too. Yeah. All right, so anyways. Is it Z-I-E or E-I? I-E. I before Zyful. E. Except I before after e, weird Z. foreign. <laughs> I no, before yeah. E, even after Z. So the in the Alert Diver magazine, uh, there is a from the safety stop perspectives. 30 years of the Dan annual diving report. So the annual report started up in uh, the late 80s. And this marks the 30th anniversary here in 2018. Of this reporting sequence that Dan's been doing, the article starts off by saying, "Here, here, I found it. <laughs> All right. I before E, except when your feisty foreign neighbor Keith leisurely receives eight counterfeit beige slaves from caffeinated atheist weightlifters. Weird, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Get this guy on the team. Like <laughs> he should be our copywriter. 
This year marks the 30th anniversary of the annual diving report, and we would like to take the opportunity to consider what we have learned, how diving has changed, and what work remains to be done. The report is one of many mission-focused initiatives Dan has developed to educate divers by promoting safer practices in the diving community. Now, although fatalities and serious injuries are rare in diving and often seem to be associated with unsafe behaviors or hazardous conditions, they do occur. Understanding the contributing factors that lead to these injuries and fatalities is one of the main reasons Dan creates and disseminates the annual diving report. Anything you want to say? No. So he continues on saying that since 1988, Dan has accumulated data on thousands of diving incidents, injuries, and fatalities, which serve as a basis for the annual diving report. We collect, verify, and analyze both individually and in aggregate reports from eyewitnesses, community reporting systems, local news, police, hospitals, and coroners from across the globe. This process takes thousands of hours of work by a dedicated team of researchers, which is why we were saying last week that it's not generally each year that this full report comes in because so often this information is, is held up in litigation for a couple of years before they're able to fully release it, which is why the, you know, the data from this year's report is actually a lot of stuff from 2016, actually. And the one we were talking about last week, the 2016 report was actually from 2014. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's a little delay, delay reaction, like shutter lag. Okay, go on. Can we get okay. back to this? Yes, let's get back to this, please. So the first reports were important because they defined for the community the types of injuries that divers could sustain. The burgeoning sport was seeing a record number of both divers and recorded injuries. Diver training had not yet evolved to address many of the causes of these injuries, and knowledge of the injuries and proper first aid for them was not yet widespread. The sport of diving progressed over the years with the advent of dive computers, nitrox, and BCDs, and the annual diving report followed suit. Each new evolution in the diving community was brought into the fold of Dan's incident, injury, and fatality databases, and the report has evolved to reflect the changing world of diving. And they uh, go on to mention how recently they're bringing into the information stuff about the free dive, the growing free diving market, as well as the uh, rebreather market as well in these reports. As the Dan Annual Diving Report enters its fourth decade, it will continue to be a defining factor in new dive safety and training initiatives and the best resource available for understanding the risks that divers actually face. And he closes off the article by saying that you can read this year's report at diversalertnetwork.org forward slash medical forward slash report and look back with us on how far we have come and how we can work with you to improve your safety and the safety of divers everywhere. There's a table that breaks down um, 2015 fatalities that occurred in the U.S. and Canada. Florida, once again, had the largest number of fatalities, followed by California, and then Washington State. Do they have it broken down anywhere on that report, incident per dive? In other words, it's no wonder Florida has the highest Correct. incident rate because, because the they have numbers, the most divers. Yes, exactly. Most and then California, yeah, of course, California. you had so much diving year-round going along yeah. the coast. And it's why, you know, uh, you don't have, let me see, where, so, where's, where's, where's Iowa? Yeah, Iowa, <laughs> North Dakota, I don't see that on there. Wyoming. Yeah, exactly. What, no, about, uh, no what about Great Lakes states? 
Uh, they do fall in there. Michigan does not in this one with uh, with zero fatalities. Nice going, Michigan. Wisconsin's in there. Ontario's in there. Pennsylvania's in there. New York's in there. Ohio's in there. Jamesy, I just have to say that that Michigan stat. That's probably because of us. I was going to say is a direct result of the the stellar. I was going to say spectacular, but that's not the right word. I think the stellar instruction available to Michigan residents. I think maybe after a couple of years of uh, collecting an, an aggregate of reports from eyewitnesses, community reporting systems, local news, police hospitals, and coroners from across the globe, they may be able to say otherwise. But until then, I think we can easily say that this is be a direct relate of the Great Dive well, podcast. It could be one of the many reasons, but I don't believe in coincidences. Every year, Michigan's been on that report. Coincidentally, the Great Dive podcast comes into existence. Coincidentally. Coincidentally. Zero fatalities in Michigan, and we're based in Michigan. I don't believe in Okay, so the most thorough source of information on the causes of death were through autopsies. They were available for 16 of the 67 U.S. and Canadian fatalities. 34 of them, it is unknown if an autopsy was conducted. In another 12, there was an autopsy performed, but the information was not supplied to Dan. It's top secret. There were two incidences where there was no body recovered, and um, there was one that was just flat out, just no autopsy conducted whatsoever. Now, we talked a little bit about this uh, last week, but uh, the victims in the 67 U.S. and Canadian fatalities were male in 79% of the cases. Thus, men are bad divers. It's the only thing I can conclude Female, from that. Female, 21% of the cases. They're better divers. 91% of the males and 93% of the females were 40 years or older. 75% of males and 71% of females were 50 years or older. You get to edit this one because you're just <laughs> oh, all, you're, I yeah yeah you're all over the place I'm on this one. Be, I don't know what I, you're gonna want. I'm to keep. snoring. <laughs> this is just a little bit of filler so that I can get into the meat, which I'm coming to right now. So, case one seven seven, a diver dropped his weights and surfaced, but redescended. So, a 52 year old male was certified and experienced, but had a history of hypertensive cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and obesity. His BMI was 33. He was with a group of divers, but was making his third dive of the day without an assigned buddy. The group descended down an anchor line. Then the victim surfaced behind the boat, yelled for help, and sank. A crew member entered the water to locate the victim, but was unsuccessful. The victim surfaced a second time, but then disappeared again. His body was located two days later after extensive searches by multiple agencies. The victim's integrated weight pockets had been removed, suggesting an attempt to establish positive buoyancy. The victim's dive tank still contained 3,400 PSI, or 234 bar, of air. But it is not known whether the valve was open or closed because the recovery diver manipulated the on-off knob before recording its position. Did they say, did they recover him on the surface or underwater? Underwater. His body was located two days later after extensive... Underwater or underwater. floating down the river or somewhere in the lake in a bunch of weeds. The way that's written isn't exactly great. And just because 
they found the weights there doesn't mean he ditched them. The, the whole thing could have been he was overweighted, didn't have his gas turned on, who knows, and he's up at the surface trying to get help, but he's overweighted, and he can't inflate his BCD, so he sinks down. His weights fall out, he pops back up. Who knows uh, if he ditched his weights or not? I mean, or if he did ditch his weights and he came back up and he embolized, went unconscious and floated away. It's hard to tell from the, the way that's it's written. What would you say? I mean, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to put together a picture of, based on my experience with divers who've had issues that seem like this, but what would you say is going on? Well, we, we got a couple of issues, right? One, he's in that 50, let's, 50 let, and over let's, category. Yeah, so he, his he's, health isn't the greatest. Health right. is not the greatest, right? Overweight, diabetes, heart disease. He's got the, you know, the, the trifecta of... My argument against diving that, though, problems, and not that I'm arguing for unhealthy divers because I'm not, but to be devil's advocate, you don't really need to exert yourself if you know what you're doing. Sure, sure, sure. I, I agree with you there. So right? I, I would say there but is then, another but, issue. But then we, when we add to that, right? He's right. he doesn't have an official buddy, so he's just on a dive boat <laughs> with a bunch of people. <laughs> he's just going down. So there's, I've never seen that. Before. So there's this mass confusion occurring. He has a problem. Comes up, yells for help, sinks. Uh, they try to find him. He comes back up a second time. So he makes it back to the surface, struggling. What kind of time is in between the first and second dip? You know, three minutes elapsed, five minutes elapsed, 30 seconds elapsed. He dipped down and came back up. They make it sound like there's a significant amount of time because they say people tried to find him in between the first and second popping at the surface. Anyway, it's very difficult yeah. to see, kind yeah. of picture really what's going on and how they found the body. Where did they find it? If they found it underwater and his, well, we don't well, know if I mean, his gas was turned on Yeah, it sounds like it, the, the, the valve. Yeah. I, yeah, are yeah, assuming, yeah, yeah. We are assuming. Yeah. Right, but it sounds to me like he went in. Started the dive, gets going underwater, realizes I can't Maybe breathe. Yeah. Right? Starts to swim up to the surface, barely makes it to the surface because mm -hmm. he's overweighted. And can't inflate his BCD. Can't inflate his BCD, calls for help, sinks back mm -hmm. down, somehow struggles, manages to get back up mm -hmm. one more time, and then just, you know. Maybe that's where I, he I mean, he's he over, overweight, overweighted, yeah. heart issues, bit older, and I think he just. I think he's a Democrat. Worked his, worked probably his, a liberal Democrat. Worked as hard as he could work. <laughs> and, yeah, based on the story, it's it's still a little difficult to tell what's going on. But I see a number okay. of factors contributing, right? Just like you pointed out, the physical fitness level, the obese, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, that didn't help the man at all. Definitely not. And that's what we were getting into there last week. So is that yeah, the cause, be, though? you got to be aware of these things. Yeah, is that the cause? Where's the root cause? And then that's what I'm, I'm, I'm like. You hear these stories, uh, the, the root, and isn't the that the idea? The, the root cause was the uh, cardiac arrest. Well, that led to a fatality that led to the drowning. But, but what caused the what was the underlying cause of the, the no, heart? The root, I mean, the, the root cause of the incident. In other words, was he unable to maintain his buoyancy? Obviously. Obviously. Did he lose his weights? And, and I, they say he didn't embolize? Did, didn't say anything about that. Okay. So he had a cardiac arrest. Now, did that happen before or after? It From this, it sounds like it occurred <laughs> during the struggling of trying to get to the that. surface. Yeah. Well, we don't know that. It's very difficult from this report to even surmise some kind of, you know, idea. Case 1-48. A diver had difficulty climbing a ladder in rough seas. Now... This one is a is a is a case I think you actually see a lot, right? Um, Getting but, back but, on. but unfortunately, you know, this one leads to a, a fatality. So a 41 year old female 
had a BMI of 43. A week before this trip, she had participated in two training dives in a lake. This was the victim's first ocean dive and was intended to count toward her certification. The dive group boarded the boat and set out for a reef about five miles offshore. Witnesses described the sea conditions as rough. The diver entered the water and witnesses said she appeared distressed almost immediately. Efforts to assist her out of the water via the boat's ladder were initially unsuccessful. After several attempts, the guide removed her scuba equipment and pushed her up the ladder from below while the boat captain pulled from above. By the time they got the diver into the boat, she was unconscious. She had no pulse and had stopped breathing. So the boat crew started CPR. The other divers were by that time diving. They were recalled to the boat so it could leave for shore. The diver's equipment had sunk but was recovered. The tank contained 2,800 PSI of air and the valve was open. The U.S. Coast Guard arrived and gave assistance and EMS met the boat on shore. The diver was pronounced dead at the hospital. Okay, as to BMI, it's just like I said, it's the teens. It's the high teens. The high teens. High teens to low 20s is normal. You get a, yeah, like, well, like what's the high? What were, like 18 the high? to 20, even up to 25, depending on your height. But 30% is obese. According that's, to these charts. That's what I wanted. Yeah. That's the number I wanted. Right 30% is considered obese. Uh, 25 to 30 is considered overweight. Okay, so yeah, so in here we're dealing with, and you see a lot of this in these. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a BMI obese, in yeah. the 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 high thirties into the forties, yeah. mm-hmm. right? So you got somebody that's well overweight and having these heart issues. Yeah, well, they're carrying around a ton. I shouldn't say tons. That's not the right word. They're carrying around a lot of extra baggage with them on top of chucking your equipment on you. Right, right? and then we're dealing with rough seas. Yeah, and we mentioned this, you know, the, the that Hot. vicious cycle yeah. of uh, of carbon dioxide last week, right? Underwater, it's uh, even and, worse. And a couple but, times, yeah. right? Yeah. So all that struggling and all that additional work, that CO two gets so enriched in your blood, and it just is sending your heart into just chaos, trying to to move that gas through the body. Okay, here's another one. Case one eighty eight. Cardiovascular disease causes a loss of consciousness at the surface. A 58-year-old, inexperienced, and uncertified male had enrolled in a guided scuba experience. The diver had a BMI of 39 and a history of medical problems, including diabetes, but had supplied a diving medical form signed by a physician. Preliminary instruction took place in the morning. Then in the afternoon, the diver and his instructor dived to 38 feet of seawater for 29 minutes. Then they surfaced and swam to the boat. At the ladder, the victim lost consciousness and was lifted onto the boat where CPR was started. The victim was pronounced dead at the hospital. An autopsy revealed extensive narrowing of his coronary arteries, and the cause of death was determined to be arthrosclerotic disease. Just means hardening of the arteries. Yeah, uh, determined to be arthrosclerotic and hypertensive cardiovascular disease. Yeah, one causes the other. So here we got another cardiovascular issue, Mm -hmm. overweight issue. Mm -hmm. Just poor health. Yep, poor health. Yeah. So they're diving, and they're in poor health, which... That's not uncommon. And, is uh, that... <laughs> and he's in and he's in that uh, age bracket, right? So again, it's it's that trifecta of age. Yeah. Well, weight, that's the problem with getting heart. old is your health goes, <laughs> and it's harder to keep the weight off. You know, you yeah, and, and then, it is and, a vicious cycle. And then like if you we look saying. at a little bit of, and this is 
definitely speculation on our, on our part, but um, you look at what we were talking about last week about rushing a student yeah. through a class, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, hey, I want to do a little quickie class. Uh, the guy's big. He's overweight. You know the mm-hmm. you know what's going through the mind of the, the dive staff of Let's here's call. all call. the weight on the boat. Yes. <laughs> Load it up just so we can get <laughs> yeah. the guy down. Oh, yeah, yeah. So then you, you face a little bit of a surface current, you know, trying to swim back to the back of the yeah. boat. Again, all that CO2 starts building up. It's, it's just it's a bad combination. Strange. You can just sit from the outside and look at this. And that's what I was getting at earlier is you can look at these accidents and go, okay, the contributing factors are kind of spelling out probably what happened, meaning – yeah, he's overweight, he's older, he's got several diseases going on that that impair his cardiovascular function, which is critical to scuba diving. And and then all you need for that fourth little addition to make the trifecta hit, if that makes any sense, is rough seas or a little swim in or it's really hot out or you Yeah, just I mean just the slightest elevation of workload. Mm-hmm. Boom. Yeah, it triggers... Uh, and a couple uh, of these are uh, are happening at the surface, let alone yeah, if it was happening at, at depth. depth. Where Yes, you're exactly right, Jamesy. Okay, so here's one a little bit different, right? So case 1-81, a rapid gas depletion followed by a rapid ascent proved fatal. So a 51-year-old male, uncertified and inexperienced, was participating in a checkout dive for an open water training course. The previous day, the victim had aborted his second dive after practicing an ascent and reporting, quote, asthma issues. On the day of the fatal dive, the victim was diving with an instructor one-on-one and reportedly started his final dive with 2,400 PSI, 165 bar, in his scuba tank. After 15 minutes underwater, having reached a maximum depth of 62 feet, the victim signaled that his tank was down to 500 PSI, or 34 bar. The instructor reported that the victim grabbed him tightly, and they commenced a rapid ascent. At the surface, the instructor released both of their weight belts and started towing the victim toward the dock while calling for help. A bystander called 911 immediately, and CPR was commenced, but it was unsuccessful. 2,400 PSI, 15 minutes, so I'm, I'm 2,000 he went through 2,000 PSI in 15 minutes. Yikes. In a depth of three atoms. Uh, extrapolate that Is backwards. that an 80? I'm going to, let's guess an 80. He's, okay, he's doing so, a training course. So I'm going to guess an 80. All right. So he used 2,000. So two thirds of an 80 would be about 50 cubic feet. Can we agree with that? I can agree with that. So he used 50 cubic feet at three atoms. So that would be um, 16 cubic foot on the surface is what he would have used. So 16 cubic feet in how many minutes? 15. 15 minutes. So he's using a little under one cubic foot per minute. So he's breathing pretty heavily. Not out of the realm of reality, but... So that's chugging. He's chugging some gas. Yeah, he's breathing 1.1. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the typical divers breathing like a 0.6, 0.7, 0.8... Mm-hmm. On a dive, yeah. One when you're at one cubic foot a minute, you're you're breathing. And oh yeah, you're breathing. Yeah. Now I mean, if in an emergency, you know, you're you're really nervous, you're really scared, you might be chugging a one for a little bit. You're really working against the current. You could be breathing at a one for a, a small portion of the dive. This is clear that for 15 solid minutes, he needed to be pulling a consumption rate over yeah. a 1.0 mm-hmm. 
to to move that much gas. Mm-hmm. So assuming he's, he's, nothing else was he's going working on, yeah. and breathing. Yeah, and we're assuming it was an eighty, not a seventy-two. True. Mm-hmm. If it was a seventy-two, it's even more. Right. Right. And it could well, be. He, I mean, it, it could be a seventy-two if he's starting off with twenty-four hundred. Right. And that's what I'm wondering. Is it is it a seventy-two? So just did some quick math on the calculator. If that was a seventy-two, which it seems it probably was, judging by the starting at twenty-four hundred, going down to four hundred ish. Uh, he's breathing at a 1.3 cubic feet per minute, which is, it was 1.1 yeah, so 1. 1 for the 80. It's 1.3 if he's on a 72. So he's breathing either, either, either or. or. He's, he's breathing jumping, pretty hefty, yeah. but that's still, I mean, that 1. Point, 1 point, even at a 1.1. 1. 1, I've seen 1.0s. I've uh, seen 1.0s in regular classes. Sure, like, but calm the f- blank down, dude. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for a solid 15 minutes, I know what you're saying. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's like sprinting, full-speed running workload, you know? Okay, so case 1-27, a diver, a novice diver, suffered a catastrophic loss of buoyancy. A 50-year-old female was an inexperienced novice diver wearing a rented BCD and a newly purchased scuba gear, including a 7-millimeter wetsuit, a total of 30 pounds of lead weights, and a steel scuba tank. The diver was making her first open water dive since certification two weeks earlier. She was in a group consisting of eight divers plus a dive master, intent on visiting an artificial reef starting from the shore. The group descended at about 1 p.m. Soon after, a witness on shore called 911 to report a diver in distress at the surface shouting for help. The other divers in the group surfaced later and noticed the victim was missing. Her body was found by a solo recreational diver four days later in 35 feet of seawater with both of her integrated weights still in place. The local police department's dive team recovery diver noted that the victim's weight belt was rotated such that the quick-release buckle was behind her. The diver had removed one glove and was still holding it in her gloved hand. Her tank had also slipped loose from her BCD and her power inflator had come away from the corrugated hose. The corrugated hose had an unusual design in that it was divided into two halves connected by a quick-release mechanism. Three retaining clips for the low-pressure inflator hose were located on either side of the quick-release to further support that connection, but in this case, the low-pressure hose was not clipped into place. The victim's dive computer had recorded an uneventful dive profile until around 18 minutes when a rapid ascent from 41 feet to the surface occurred, followed by an immediate redescent to 41 feet. The equipment inspection report concluded that a significant or the equipment inspection report concluded that a catastrophic loss of buoyancy was a significant factor in the fatality. Yeah, you're trying to figure I'm trying to picture this uh, inflator uh, contraption. The corrugated hose that was divided into two segments, is that what it said? And it was held together well with some kind of quick disconnect? So that new so that new air source, which is a I don't want to name brand any uh, air McDoodles out there, but but it 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 separates in half. The the corrugated hose, there's a plastic connector that disconnects so that you can leave the rapid exhaust end attached to the shoulder. And then the regulator mouthpiece end attached to the low pressure inflator hose, so you could take the whole regulator assembly off the BCD to go rinse it, to take it back to the room, to transport it, 
you know, the, all the regulator pieces together. So that hose does disconnect and come apart. Versus just letting that regulator assembly stay on the BCD. Yeah. And then there are some new ones now that right at the But don't you rinse your Right BCD? at the head of the, the inflator regulator unscrews and comes apart as well so that the regulator head can stay with the regulator and then the BCD hose end stays with the BCD. But here... We, can you we use see... those regulators without the BCD? Well, yeah. And it works fine? As a regulator, it does. Yeah, but doesn't it have like a big old opening where the... Well, yeah, yeah. Go, It's supposed to go to the... Okay. Again, I guess my... I, it's uh, a, uh, okay, I so I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a ridiculous contraption. That's, Who's thinking of this shit? Well, somebody's that's designing a product that could be easily transported through an airport and not necessarily not dove well. <laughs> I was gonna say you can't dive it very well. Oh, did you ever see the little Air Buddy? Remember the Air Buddy? This was like a reed valve. Yeah, uh, it was a little. It was a little piece of rubber that stuck on about two inches. You know, from a low-pressure inflator hose that hooked up to a standard BCD that you could stick it in your mouth and just, like, bend it a little bit, and it would <laughs> blow some air so you could theoretically breathe off, breathe off of it. And then, well, But then there was people like, well, this is my octo. Yeah. Well, you can theoretically breathe off of your, your regular inflator. Theoretically, you could just take a tank. And breathe right out of it. No regulator, just valve. crack yeah, the valve yeah. open and suck well, from the say, bubbles. It's not even theoretical. You can breathe off of your inflator, and you can breathe off of your tank without a regulator. It's difficult. It takes practice and, and a very cool head, and it's not something that you would recommend. Or, wait, wait, or you're, you're say, saying that, that, uh, use that as my backup. You're saying that a diver making her first open water dive since certification might not have the skill and ability to pull that off? Yeah, and yet she's using this contraption. I don't know if anybody out there that's listening can agree with my contention that pieces of equipment like this are just ridiculous from the standpoint of practical use in the field in an emergency when you need it. Their design is flawed. You know, form should follow function. In other words, it should be designed from the functional standpoint well, first. Sure. And then, so when you look at the the, that the, the hose coming over the shoulder, it sounds like that little Velcro little closure mm-hmm. came loose and the inflator was probably behind her head and that's why she was struggling to find it and disconnected the two pieces. Who knows? Who knows? Okay, um, so case 1-9-3. Two open water divers fought over one working regulator. A 15-year-old male had been certified as a junior open water diver, but did not dive again for more than two years. Then he made 20 lake dives one month before making his first ocean dives from a liveaboard boat anchored near an island. The victim made six dives on the first day, including a night dive. The first dive of the second day was for about 20 minutes to a depth of 45 to 50 feet. Conditions at the reef were described as ideal with visibility over 40 feet. For his second dive that day, the victim took a spear gun with him, with the victim's buddy who was making his first ever dive without an instructor. He had 1,000 PSI remaining in his tank. He started ascending. He looked back down and saw the victim signaling that he needed to share air. So he returned to depth and donated his backup regulator. The pair started ascending together, but at 70 feet, the victim removed the backed up regulator and pulled his buddy's primary regulator from his mouth. After watching the victim take two full breaths, 
The buddy concluded the victim was not going to return his regulator, so he pulled the low-pressure hose to forcibly reclaim his regulator from the victim's mouth. The buddy saw the victim fall away rapidly without moving his arms. Then he also ran out of gas, surfaced rapidly, and suffered a seizure requiring first aid oxygen and subsequent hyperbaric oxygen therapy at the nearest recompression chamber. Meanwhile, the victim had aspirated water and landed on the bottom, unconscious. Two divers happened upon the victim after spotting his spear gun lying on the sand at 94 feet of seawater and ascending and ascended with him. CPR commenced as soon as the victim was back aboard the boat. The U.S. Coast Guard and the local sheriff's dive team arrived within minutes. The victim was transported to a nearby medical facility where he was pronounced dead. Yikes. Hey, know so, your buddy. Know your buddy, <laughs> yeah. Know your buddy. Know, and you got to know your guys' equipment. I mean, this is one of the, uh, yeah. the big tenets that we uh, preach all the time about, that standardized gear configuration. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it is cool that the industry's got all these wild different octo contraptions and air mcdoodles we make fun of all the time and all this wild weird stuff i don't think it's cool and and you know what it's if if you do choose to use that okay but know how to use it you got to know how to use it and you got to make sure that you and your buddy more than just talked about it for 30 seconds before you jumped in but you're well practiced in the donation of gas, the breathing off of it for an extended period of time, not, you know, not 10 seconds of doing it once, you know, but being good at being able to maintain buoyancy while you're sharing gas, making the ascent while you're sharing gas, transitioning from the ascent to achieving positive buoyancy once you hit the surface. I mean, those are all critical tools in, in, in practicing that air share that should be a regular basis. And sure, I mean, I'm going to tell you why, you know, the system that I dive makes way more sense but even if you decide you're going to use a uh, trendy BC and trendy little octo doodle air, air source system, you, you got to be well trained in it. Yeah, you have to be well trained in it. It has to be well maintained. You have to have used it and know it's well maintained and it works right. Listen to the story and he had the uh, octo in his mouth and he pulled it out and, you know, he had an alternate air source. Pulled it out, went for his buddies. Why do you suppose he did that? What would cause him to do that? Because he was breathing wet. Breathing wet or wasn't breathing at all or, or breathing extremely hard and it felt like yeah, he was, was still a, suffocating. Yeah, it was a probably could have been a cheaper octo that wasn't wasn't, wasn't breathing maintained. Well, so it was he dragged wasn't, through the mud yeah, for a couple could have of been months. A, a, yeah, a number of number of issues. Didn't even know if it worked. Could and a, when he needed it, he needed it. He didn't need to know that it was not being maintained or it was adjusted so it wouldn't free flow and it was adjusted so tough to breathe. Well, which is, which is what you typically see. You know, yeah. most people, they buy themselves a good regulator and they, they just get the cheapest octo that they can possibly get because they don't want to spend any additional money. Yeah. And because the assumption with so much of it is... I'm not going to use it. I'm never going to use it. Just get something so that yeah. I, I, you know, I pass the, you know, the, the eyeball test, you know, yes. by the dive master when I'm getting in the water rather than getting in getting your equipment knowing that when the shit hits the fan you've got it good has one. to work yes. and you've got a good one and yeah. it breathes easy and you're, you're used to breathing it and you've grabbed one that works i mean this goes to a lot of things that we preach this is a good story to illustrate a big portion of what we teach in the sense of our gear configuration and the ethic of practicing and knowing how to do a gas share and move with it and pull your deco stops and pull your safety stops comfortably and doing a, a comfortable ascent 
you know, it's one thing to get the gas to the person. You think, and that's as far as the open water class goes in many cases. Get the gas to the person. I'm okay. You're okay. Cool. And you pretend to go up 15 feet and that's it. In reality, this is more like what you have, right? You have to get the gas to the person and then it has to be calmed down. And the gas has to work. And what if you do run into something like this where the gas isn't working, the alternate air source isn't working, and he wants to go for your primary? Do you know it's, how to body breathe? It's going to be a fight. Yeah. It's in, and nine times out of ten, it's going to be an underwater. Yeah. It's going to wow. be like right out of sea hunt fist fight. The big ass buoy, buoy knives on your, on your right. calves yeah. are going to come out. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. You better <laughs> believe it. Okay. So the primary activity was reported for 49 of the 67 fatal dives, so 73% of these dives. For almost half of them, it was pleasure diving or sightseeing. 10% were training dives, and uh, 7% involved some sort of uh, spearfishing. In most of the cases, the fatal dives began from a charter boat or a private vessel of some sort, 52% of them. Uh, Another roughly 30% uh, were shore dives. So in these, you know, so then they go through a bunch of cases where, uh, you know, a diver made a giant stride entry while the boat throttle was still on. You know, yikes. Uh, uh, a left-behind diver's name was missing from the roll on, uh, on a boat that, you know, left without somebody. And they go through some different environmental factors in, in here, too, of talking about the ratio of the type of water, the visibility, the sea conditions, currents, time of day that these occurred. And uh, we get a... Uh, a couple examples of where uh, the environmental factors were clearly an issue in these fatalities. So one being case 1-27, where uh, conditions overwhelmed a visiting diver. A 27-year-old male diver had been certified for eight years and held advanced open water and nitrox certifications. Though his logbook indicated that he had only 14 dives, the most recent of them one month earlier. While visiting from overseas, he rented dive equipment and was diving from a boat with a guide and four others in an area known for strong currents. The water was just 45 degrees Fahrenheit, 7 degrees Celsius, though the victim was wearing a dry suit. The victim and the guide dived to 40 feet of seawater, 12 meters, for approximately 17 minutes before the victim signaled that he was down to 1,000 PSI. The pair commenced their ascent, but the guide later reported that they had difficulty resisting a downward current and they had to kick hard to ascend at 20 feet the victim was down to 500 psi and the guide was holding onto the victim as they continued to ascend at around nine feet they encountered some kelp and the guide signaled for the victim to hold on to him while he untangled the kelp from his regulator the victim let go of the guide and was last seen being carried away by the strong undertow his body was recovered seven weeks later after being spotted on the surface not too far from the dive site. Yikes. Yeah, yikes and uh, uh, environmental conditions. Uh, case 1-99, a diver went deep with new equipment and ran out of gas. A 59-year-old male had a number of dive certifications, but this was his first dive since the previous year. He was testing out a new dry suit and a new dive computer. He had planned to dive solo, but he found another diver who needed a buddy. They were ascending from a 130 feet of freshwater bounce dive when shortly after a brief stop at 65 feet, the buddy noticed the victim struggling with his equipment. He nonetheless indicated that all was okay. At approximately 20 feet, the victim was again seen struggling with his equipment, this time with his mask. The buddy assumed the victim was not getting enough air, so he gave him his primary air source and switched to his secondary. 
the victim lost consciousness before they reached the surface. The buddy brought him up and started emergency rescue procedures. EMS arrived when the victim was out of the water. By that time, he had no pulse and was not breathing. He was pronounced dead at the local hospital. Inspection of his equipment showed that it was poorly maintained, that the primary tank was empty, and that the pony tank was mounted in such a way that the second stage could not reach the diver's mouth. It's not anything we haven't said before, and we haven't taken grief for saying it. When you look at people getting pony tanks, first of all, the reasoning behind the pony tank, that has to be taken into account. And then the, 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 the use of the pony tank, mounting it on your back bottle or bottles. And again, you so this person has it mounted in a place that it's not even practical to use. You, it's one thing to have the gas. Another thing is right. got to be we able to get to your a, mouth. We could have a whole show dedicated just to why a pony bottle, a traditional back <laughs> exactly. pony bottle is a bad idea. Yeah. But let's say that you think we're ridiculous in these claims. We are. We are. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and you decide, you know what, you're still going to do the pony bottle. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. But at least. Know how to use it. Know how to use it and make sure that it's on and you can actually get the regulator from the bottle to your mouth and breathe off of yeah. it. It would be the, and the least you and should be doing. And it's positioned in a way that keeps you streamlined, keeps you able to maintain proper trim and buoyancy. The whole the whole theory behind it, like a last-ditch effort, you know, if all goes well, you know, bad, I can bail out to this thing. and then, But then not having the security of the awareness of the bottle, the ability to confirm that it can do the very thing you're crossing your fingers and hail marrying for it to do, is 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 the basis of of where the problems begin, and it, and and it just shows that it's not a thought out plan. Well, yeah, I mean, like this guy who has the perpendicular bottle. Well, you obviously are worried about your gas supply, so you're using gas too much. So, why would you throw on something? That causes you to use gas even more and and put it in such a manner that putting something perpendicular to your body like that and trying to swim is is to the nth degree ridiculous. You're going to use a crap ton more gas. I want you to take a, take a tank and just hold it in your hand and put it out in front of you. I know I use a lot more gas when I have my camera rig that I have to push in front of me. And it's not because it's it's negatively buoyant. It's not. It's perfectly neutral. Yeah. It's because it's, it's, it's got two giant arms that create drag. It, it's going, it's out of my slipstream. Right. And if you try to move at the same speed that you would move without Normally, it, yeah. you're, you're going to start just CO2, chugging the gas baby. and building yeah. that CO2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, away we go. Yeah. So things like that. I mean, that's, that's one thing. And that's just one example. But you throw a, a pony bottle on your tank, uh, mount it on your back bottles where you can't reach it. And or the hose isn't long enough to reach your mouth. What? What right, good right. was that? Yeah. Now, the maximum depth of a dive was another factor involved in the fatalities. In 27 of the 67, so 40%, the maximum depth of the fatal dive was reported. Five of those cases occurred in water up to 30 feet. Eight cases, uh, the water was up to 60 feet. Three of the cases, the water was pushing 90 feet, six cases uh, over 100, and in five cases, uh, water was deeper than 120 feet. So those five over 100 were between 100 and 120? 
Six cases uh, were 91 to 120. Oh, okay. And then another five deeper than 120. Okay, that's what I said. And now here's a here's a, an example in which uh, depth was clearly a factor and perhaps the primary cause. Case da- 1-68, a world record depth attempt ended in death. A 56-year-old male, an experienced diver, was attempting a world record open circuit dive to 1,200 feet of seawater, 336, 366 meters. He had previously dived to a depth of 815 feet. Is that 0.336 kilometers? According to news reports, <laughs> he expected to descend rapidly down to a 1,300-foot descent line weighted by a 250-pound anchor. Clip a marker onto the line at the 1,200-foot mark, then start his ascent immediately. The plan was that he would meet with support divers at 350 feet on his return from depth, an estimated 38 minutes after his initial descent. So that's like 900 feet on your own. Don't worry. Yeah, to, what's going to happen? You guys are up. That's like, uh, I'm going to. Well, who the hell is he going to get to go down there with you? Well, that's like going down to 400 feet, and my support divers are going to be at 10 feet. That's cool. I'll see you guys at 10 feet. Wait a minute. Wait, something's, something's a little off here. But, hey. The intent was that the line would then be retrieved, and the position of the marker would confirm the depth he had, re- he had reached. The diver was reportedly wearing seven scuba tanks of various sizes with another 28 tanks on site. The dive plan, including decompression, was for the diver to be underwater a total of 10 and a half hours. After his descent, the support divers moved into their agreed-upon positions along the ascent line, starting at 350 feet. However, the victim failed to arrive at the appointed time. The support team waited, but eventually had to surface. The diver's, body was, the diver's body was recovered a few days later when a vessel capable of raising the rope and anchor arrived on site. So they don't. So clearly, this was, was something well, happened at depth, and it was mm-hmm. just there's nobody there to, to give any more information <laughs> as to what what. What so what can happened? we conclude from this? Not a whole hell of a lot other than, yeah, that's a pretty deep dive, and a million things could have happened. Absolutely. You know, when you're, when you're dealing with depth of that, that increment, uh, it's that increment. When you're dealing with that kind of depth, the, the, the physio- physiological issues are exponentially complex. So well, you could have just the most minute CO2 in your, in your breathing gas. And at that depth, it's deadly. But 300 feet, you'd have been fine. 1,000 feet, you're not fine. Even with the most minute impurity in that gas. Yeah, so a a lot. So we're running... uh we're running long on time, and I'm like just getting into the, the groove of this. Well, do you want to do a part two? Let's do a part two of this. Let's do it um, because there's some other cool stuff, you know. So well, do you, I mean, do you so want to just record again another? Yeah, we'll, we'll keep this one episode. I'll come come back Thursday or something. Yeah, we'll that finish. sounds good. We'll, okay. and we'll finish. If this I come report. back Thursday, I'll do the do the edit. But uh, yeah, we'll do. Um, we can put this into a two parter, like because this will be. Are we going to get anything more? I mean, I guess my thing is. 
what is the the purpose of this? Is it just to like entertain the people with some yeah, stories? That's it. Yeah, yeah we're gonna entertain them with some stories. Let's stretch it into two. You want to? Okay. Yeah, let's stretch hey, it. It's into your two. baby. Okay, yeah. let's stretch yeah. this into two. Okay, so then you then you can edit this one. <laughs> oh, you're such a dick. I got a busy week. I edited. I've got a busy week. I got this stupid uh, okay. shipwreck festival okay. coming I up you this got weekend. The, the, I got the, the idiot stupid. festival. I mean, I'm sorry. I forgot. All right, so let's. Uh, all right, let me close this up then here. I will. So let's let's move this into a two parter. So because there's a lot to still go through, I, I think uh, like we're, you know, bit a bit of uh, horsing around and joking early on, and now we're finally getting into a groove, and this really goes into, you know, uh, issues more where um, the gas type and uh, the the breathing equipment became the issue. Um. The dive buddy status, you know, becomes an issue. Uh, they, we start looking at some different um, causes of injury, uh, uh, fatalities during different phases of the dive, you know, broken down into looking at um, different triggers, you know, uh, from uh, health problems to uh, low gas to panic, alcohol intoxication Equipment malfunctions, all kinds of stuff. So there, there's still a lot to go through. So we could uh, we could uh, spend some time uh, doing more of these. So let's uh, let's make this a two-parter. So hold on to that logbook. We won't uh, we won't get into signing those yet, and uh, we'll catch you guys uh, next week for part two of this uh, this year's Dan annual report. We'll uh, we'll hit some more of God these uh, different incidents, and uh, we'll do a nice great dive podcast summary and recap of of the whole thing okay folks safe dives safe dive uh we'll get back to you next week starts off by saying here here i found (laughs) i before e except when your feisty foreign neighbor keith leisurely receives eight counterfeit beige slaves from caffeinated atheist weightlifters weird trying to do all last night. I couldn't get oh. into this stupid report. Son, no. I had the old one, but I couldn't get into this one until <laughs> just now.